In Alabama Ag and Review for the week of May 13th, it was all about the Farm Bill, with both the House and Senate completing markup of the legislation as we start off with this report with both the Senate and House Ag Committee chairs. Well, the busy and hectic week on the Hill continues with a historic markup of the Farm Bill for both the House and Senate Ag Committees and the introduction of the Senate version on the floor. Senate Ag Committee Chair Debbie Stavanagh says she feels very confident about the approach taken in the commodity title of their bill, as it's very similar to last year's version with the addition of addressing the needs of Southern growers. It is a market-oriented approach. We do recognize that rice and peanuts specifically do not have access to crop insurance. And so, on the one hand, we eliminate subsidies. We have major payment reforms and changes that are important for taxpayers. We focus on crop insurance, but particularly for our southern growers that don't have access to crop insurance, we do give them an option that works for them. And whether it's yield loss through the ARC program or price uh, concerns through our new AMP program, we put in place what I believe are enough tools to support all of agriculture. As for the House markup, Ag Chair Frank Lucas feels very confident about his offering as well. We'll still have choice. We'll still have a bill that all regions and all commodity groups can participate in. We'll still have some differences to work out with our friends in the United States Senate when we conclude our work on the floor, of course. And by the way, my understanding is we'll be on the floor in June, uh, both by comments of leadership to me and their public listings they've given the membership. A vast improvement from the noncommittal approach the House took last year, which ultimately resulted in the bill never being brought to the floor. And regarding some language that did not make the cut in the Senate, we have this report from Randall Wiseman. Farm broadcasters from across the country have been in Washington, D.C. this week for the annual legislative visit, and it was a great week to be there with markup of the Farm Bill taking place in both the House and Senate. One issue that was discussed is one that some refer to as the Egg Bill, which actually did not make it into the Senate version of the Farm Bill. Former Ag Secretary Mike Johans, who is now a senator from Nebraska, talked about why he voted to keep it out. The most recent was they were going to take this poultry agreement and embody it in the Farm Bill. So what's the net effect? of that precedent. The net effect of that precedent is you put the force and power of the federal government behind the size of a chicken cage. And it's kind of like, whoa, where does this stop? You know, you can make a, an argument that, look, we want clean streams and clean air, and so there should be involvement here. But you literally get into a situation where, where does it end? Now, I will tell you in my own experience, when we brought the farrowing, I can remember putting the farrowing crates together as a little kid on my dad's farm. There were a dozen of them. We would farrow about a dozen sows, you know. Um, Here's what I would tell you about that. You know what? We thought that was the humane thing to do. Why? Because in an open pen, they lay on the piglets. They're cannibalistic. The mother will eat the baby pig. Well, you could stop that by a closer confinement. We didn't see that as abusive at all. We saw that as a giant step forward. And and like I said, I can remember the day we put those crates together and we looked at those dozen crates and we were so proud of what we had done, you know. And now somebody comes in who has no background and experience in agriculture and they want us to adopt their standards enforce those standards on production agriculture uh, in the meat industry. And I'm just saying hold everything. Now, last thing I'd say here, if the poultry people want to reach an agreement with the Humane Society, you know what? It's free world. They don't have to come to Mike Johans and say, Mike, do you 
do you agree with us on this? Should we do it? They can ask my advice, and I'll give it to them, but quite honestly, they're free to do it. Where I drew the line is asking me to cast my vote to embody that kind of restriction in federal, legis- federal legislation, and I just think it goes too far to start setting national standards on that kind of thing, and I just think it has dire consequences for the industry. So um, a few weeks ago, this came to my attention. I pushed back. I think I irritated the poultry people, but quite honestly, I feel very strongly this was the right thing to do. We shouldn't be gumming up a farm bill um, with these kinds of standards in federal legislation. So uh, I'm glad it's not there, and we'll try to make sure it doesn't get there as we move it through the House or move it through the Senate and the House. There was quite a bit of controversy surrounding the deal, which would have phased in federally mandated standards for laying in housing. And we will wrap up for this week with these thoughts from Representative Lucas. Well, as expected, the markup of the Farm Bill in the House Ag Committee proved to be a longer, more emotional process than that in the Senate. And House Ag Chair Frank Lucas expects that trend to continue. Many of the battles, whether it is over dairy or sugar or the size of the nutrition reforms, will be fought out again on the floor of the United States House. I understand that. I think most of my committee members understand that. But it's a struggle we're prepared to engage in and we're prepared to move forward on. And remember, you can find these stories along with all the week's Southeast Agnet reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Julie McPeak with Southeast Agnet's podcast.